three, two, two one. one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number... Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> of Catching Foxes, this is the mature Michael Gormley. This is, and... we, this is what happens when we try to recreate moments. I have a pretty big thing to talk about, actually. Yeah, and you haven't... It's so big, you haven't even told me. Wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yes. Are you playing Minecraft? No, 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 no. I'm what you call a grown adult. Um, Damn it. Although I'm very upset with the new updates to Clash of Clans. It's gotten stupid. So, well, I love you... the loot cart. Because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, take... I lose all the time. Uh, yeah, well, the thing is, I upgraded to Town Hall 9 too soon, and I get my ass handed to me on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's your problem. Good. That's your problem. Yep. Hey, I need to do something really quick for my computer just to keep this up. Sorry, everyone. I fun editing this part out, Gormley. My uh, name is Luke. <laughs> I hate everyone in the audience. I wish I was as cool as Gomer. Uh-oh, back to Luke's brain. It's my name so is Gomer. Roomy I have a end. tiny penis. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> no argument. Um, okay, so as you know, and this is going to take a real quick right turn down Memory to Somberland. Uh, oh, no. A guy named John Bunch died on my birthday, actually, on February 1st. John is about 15 years older than me. And he, do you remember in 2004 the album My Further Seems Forever that a lot of people were listening to? Yeah. By a lot, I mean me and, and Arabazali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys so, got us all into Further Seems Forever. That's, he sang on that album. Okay. And I love that album. It is one of my all-time favorites. I cannot stress enough how brilliant it's. It is, there's a beautiful a simplicity to his lyrics, where it's clearly obvious he's talking about God and love and trying to become a better person. And you know, it would really hit me. Was like he died. He was 45. That's you know, yeah. 12 years older than me. That's nuts. And he was a bigger guy, but not like. Um, um, me? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I would say he was fat. He was just bigger. So, I mean, I don't know if he was on drugs or not, or if he struggled with it. I mean, I don't know how he died. I, I know there's a thing where I think it's like one in every like six men between the ages of like, I think once you're at from 35 to 55, just die from some reason, whether it be a car accident or like a weird like natural cause or something that they just, you know. If they're something... white men, they die from suicide. Yeah, like, well, this is a thing that can't be prevented to what I'm referring to. Gotcha. Like a th- thing that just like, that's like, people will just die because of whatever, you know, again, a car accident, who knows what. Yeah, yeah. And it hit me like, okay, so I have a very high triglyceride count. And I was like, man, I really kind of need to get that in check. Like, this is not a thing I can keep putting off anymore. And his and his death really hit me hard. I think it was because he was the first music icon on a very low level that I knew that I didn't know him personally and only really only know because his older band was a little bit, they got big before I got into that whole scene. Yeah. But that album was for me. I mean, that, that is one of the three albums that defines 2004 slash, you know, that school year of 2004, 2005 if you were to ask me like what was playing in my car i would say that he's legend and emory that was that year straight up nothing but those three albums and and i've gone back to his 
to a lot of the songs on that album time and time again when I've hit some really hard times in life. And I found a tremendous amount of hope and encouragement in them. And I have heard him, you know, probably dozens and dozens of times. So what I'm what I'm trying to say is like it was the thing where I'm like, like this was just not like a weird like side thing. It was like, wow, this is the guy that I really liked his work. That sucks. And it started to hit me like he was so young, like I need to kind of get my act together so I'm not dead at 45. And, you know, I don't know what killed him, but I know if I don't get my health in order, especially with my high triglyceride count, that could be a problem. And it started to make me think about conversion, which has already been on my mind a lot and what that means. And that's what, what I want to talk about here is because, you know, we're about the intersection of faith and culture. And to me, that isn't just TV shows and movies and music, though I have no problem going on about that. But it's also about how we live our life and the common practices that we all share and the things that we do that make our societal habits, if you will. And I think there's a need. I need to talk more about conversion in my own life. And that I think as Catholics, especially coming out of a school like Steubenville, it was always very tempting to use the word conversion as a replacement for the Protestant word saved. Yeah. And I th- I'm tempted to say when I converted is when I changed my beliefs. But when I look on my life, especially when I meditate on, I think it's Luke 19, when Christ is speaking like Zacharias, there's so much, so many parts of my life that I need to convert. And it's, and I, that's what I want to talk about today is like how, what, not just like, Hey, the pornography is bad, but like, how do I work? When do I wake up? Why should I wake up then? What do I need to be on, on guard for? Cause I've made some pretty drastic changes and I just think it'd be interesting to talk about that. If, if you'd be interested. Sure. What say you? Well, I don't know what you're looking for for me. I, I don't know uh, either. <laughs> I'm just kind of like wrestling with this still. So you're asking for what? Uh, I'm still I, lost. You're asking no, for no, like what changes to make or what? No, I guess more than anything, I want to tell you about what I'm thinking about and just like get your thoughts on it. Okay. So I'm not really even like I'm not going for advice. More of just like a like let me just bounce some stuff off of you. Okay. So. Well, let me ask you this. If a person were to ask you, like, what does the word conversion mean, what would you say? Okay, that's a good way to go. Um, I would say that conversion is a process, not a one-time moment. It's a process process whereby uh, an individual realizes that they are living for themselves, that be living for themselves is taking them nowhere uh, except to unhappiness and frustration and that C, they desperately need God in their lives. Uh, and conversion starts off with this, <clears throat> this uh, is always bound up with repentance, right? So I need to get rid of these things that are destroying me. Uh, but it's not just getting rid of the bad things uh, in the sense of like not doing them anymore. It's about like uprooting them, like even getting rid of the roots. So like your attitudes and behaviors that lead to that sin. But then it's even more, it's replacing it, not just with virtue, but with grace and uh, choosing to worship God alone. Um, I think conversion is a process that has 
huge moments, but for the most part, ought to continue for someone's entire life. So there should never be a time when a Catholic says, like, I'm done, right? I don't think Catholics ever say that. I think a lot of Catholics think or do that, um, and they lose that sense of this integral, ongoing conversion or renewal. Um, and because they do that, we need these more periodic, tending to be more dramatic conversion experiences. But for me, conversion essentially is the process of uprooting the idols of my heart and placing Jesus Christ as the right king on the throne of my heart. Uh, and orienting my whole life towards that, right? So, mm-hmm. so for instance, um, you know, in the past, uh, maybe not the past, but so for instance, we can talk about, um, you know, someone who is so career focused that their, their career actually becomes an idol subconsciously, that they sacrifice all things to that idol, uh, including their worship of God or whatever it is. And, uh, and they don't, realize that or they they get so caught up in it and the idol constantly lets them down because that's what it does and after a long time uh a person can realize like holy shit like i've literally sacrificed my relationship with my children for a career or money or stability or you know whatever it is and i regret all of that so i turn to god to get help me get rid of these idols uh that's to me that's conversion conversion is this integral deep deep process that can never be once for all it can never be there, there might be a fundamental like shift where you turn towards god but then it's constantly uprooting new levels of selfishness new levels of of um of idol worship yeah do you th- well no that's i would agree with that i don't think that i'm coming out with that exact approach but i think that's exactly what's happening within my own life so i wouldn't say that that's not like that's right i, I agree 100 percent what I'm starting to see. So it's like one of the things that like is always that that example is always used, someone who works a lot, because I think that's an easier yeah. thing to go, well, that's a good problem to have. Which I don't know if I, I wouldn't agree with that, but I think it's one that we, we tend to go, well, at least he's working hard. Oh, absolutely. It's a you socially know? acceptable sin. Yeah, that's the thing that gets us right. That's what got the Pharisees right. They desperately needed the divine physician in their lives, but what they did was they looked at the sin and scoffed at the prostitute, tax collector, and sinner. And Jesus says, "You know, they're like, why are you why are you eating with these people?" And Jesus says, "Don't you know that the sick need physicians? The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost." But the Pharisees were even more lost, but they could hide it because they were moral, but they weren't good, right? So. Much of their lives were lived in conformity to the moral law, but it was all on their own. And when you live a works-based righteousness, you think you've earned it. You, you play down God's grace. You amplify your own effort, and that allows you to be a moral snob or a religious elite, and that's what they'd become. Those are the hardest people to convert because they think they're, they don't need it. Like They don't need this dramatic God moment. And yet the woman caught in adultery or the tax collector, prostitute, and sinner, Jesus is clear. He's like, these people will enter the kingdom of heaven before you because their sin is bound with public shame that they can't hide it. But oftentimes, C.S. Lewis has a great line where he talks about people who are like caught up in sin. And like, let's say you're like a drug addict and your, your life is just spiraling out of control. You know, you got nothing. Your apartment's falling apart, blah, blah, blah. And someone says to you, man, have some little self-respect. You know, get your shit together. Like, get do do something, you know. And the notion being 
you're you're telling them to use the sin of pride to amplify you know to build up pride to the point where it shames you out of drug addiction whereas the devil would be only more than happy to grant you to get rid of this silly little nuisance called drugs in order to engulf you in pride Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah like that's uh kind of like the idea of why the devil isn't always the biggest he's not a huge fan of war yeah, that's because in, war that's in screw tape letters. Letters, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, it's in, and that's. Th- I mean, it's one of the things that I'm realizing is that I can be very slothful, which should come with no surprise if you know me. But I'm just now starting to realize the impact of that on on my life. And, and do you then, know why you're noticing the impact? Because I'm growing in holiness, and and I'm married. There it is. Well, there it is. Because there's never like. Being married is fascinating because, I mean, your wife is very different than mine. My wife is an extremely type A, well-organized, driven, perfect woman, right? She she lives her life by lists and checklists and planning ahead and being organized. And then there's me. And I I tried to purchase apps that help me do all those things. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you got to actually use – so, for instance, yesterday I set two reminders – for 8 p.m. for me to pay some bills before I went to bed. And I just kept snoozing them every time they would annoy me. And then this morning, I kind of, and I'm like, damn it, these things are so annoying. I was like, oh, crap, I haven't paid the bill. And then I remember saying to myself, what good is using an app if you're not going to use the app, right? So, But my wife just does that. That's the wonderful thing about her. She is very organized, very systematic. And then being around her, like I noticed that I'm the kind of guy that let, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a messy, or I'm not a dirty guy in terms of, like, how I live. Not, I, I hate filth. I was My mama raised me right. But at the same time, I'll let things mellow for a long time, and my wife does not do that. She needs to clean it. Like, you use it, you clean it, you put it away. And I'm like, what the hell? Just save it for the end. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I think when, like, one of the reasons why I'm, like, hesitant to bring this up is I think people hear the word, like, philosophical. I'm sorry slothful or whatever and it just sounds like we don't use that term yeah and so we don't we think of gluttony as like the big fat guy just like eating a whole bunch of wings going i love my life you know or like uh, something like that no that's exactly what saint thomas aquinas had in mind and it <laughs> eating hot wings yeah. um <laughs> i love but, my life ego sum qui sum but I, I think like so aaron's a very driven woman and I have that drive, and she's very analytical. So Aaron will challenge me, go, well, like, why are you doing it like that? Why? There's got to be a better way. And I'm like, because I've always sat, because I'm the guy who sat at the same table in the cafeteria for four years. That's why. <laughs> like, this is where we sit. I had the same seat in a bar for three years when I lived in Eureka. That's just where I sat. And in no way is that depressing. No, it's great. That's like, why would you not do that? But it's not. What I'm realizing is that it's now, how to put this, it's more about the avoidance of pain and trying to seek happiness as the highest good. And happiness is a good thing, but not like I, it blew my mind that. Like our God, like I used to think of Christ in high school as this like ultimate rebel who's going against authority, who wanted to tear down the system. Hence, your God is not a Republican. Teacher. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, sorry, God is not 
an American shirt. Totally. That's I, what I it was. thought it was very justified in saying that. But that's a that's a very Judas-ish approach. And to hear that, you know, God was like, who was the first rebel? It was Satan. God's a God of order makes me uncomfortable because I hate uh, authority. I don't like being told what to do. So there are times when it'll come from like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And if that means just hanging out and I'm going to go like Netflix binge all day long. Like, do you remember when we were in college and Adam got so mad that we'd spend the whole day watching movies because he thought it was just a waste of a day? I could not comprehend that. Like, what else would you rather be doing? This is the time to do it. Yeah. Our wives in the future aren't going to let us do that. <laughs> exactly. Can I tell you, can I tell you, uh, can I confess something to you? Of course. So when I was at the, of course, it's just between me, you and the microphones. Um, my, uh, so I went to Waco, right? And uh, my, I, I have an Xbox 360 that I've had unplugged for two years. And I just bought Minecraft <laughs> for the Xbox for my kids. My daughters love it. So they go to, we go to my wife's um parents house and my wife's little sister plays minecraft on the xbox and it's an easy way to play this very otherwise pretty complicated game and so um so my daughters love playing it even though they don't know how to use a controller or anything so get it on um we get it on ipad and they're great at it they're great at it so i bought it on the xbox because it's a very lethargic to me it's more relaxing than like watching tv and i get to build something digital legos right well, it it's hysterical. So I take my ex, I took my Xbox with me and drove to Waco, Texas, from Houston, so that <laughs> whenever, <laughs> so that I could play it in my hotel room. And holy crap, play it! I did. One night, people were like, "Hey, you want to go out?" And I'm like, "Nah, no, nah, I'm going to stay in and go to bed early." That's what I told them. You know what I did? I played Minecraft till two fifteen in the morning. <laughs> and how, Luke? I have problems. My problems have problems, Luke. And that's the thing. that One of the things that I'm starting to realize is that area needs conversion. Oh, absolutely. To me, just as much as my pride. Well, okay, this is what I agree with you for the most part. And the only reason why I'm going to push back is because it's, one, too close to home. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But seriously. No, it's um, nothing's worse than pride. No, well, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, obviously, but uh, I would say this. There are people who um, like if you were to do the Myers-Briggs test, right, which just talks about personality, they have a whole category for people who are what you described as being anti-establishment rebel, you know, but th- that's a, a, a temperament. Uh, almost, you know, I mean, there are the temperaments that God gave you all that stuff, but the Myers-Briggs is, it reveals a lot about like the way people act and why they act and they're different, like why they have the personality that they do. And one of them is, um, this kind of, you, you don't like rules for the sake of rules. And when people do rules for the sake of rules, it bothers you. And there are other people like, uh, I don't know about Adam. I don't know if I would say our friend Adam is like that, but he is very orderly in his life. I don't know if he's a rules for the sake of rules guy, but he's definitely very orderly in his life. It's it's very easy for him to put to say I'm going to do this and then to adhere to that. Yeah, I have the hardest time with that. Yes, yeah, no, I agree, and I think for me, uh, I would I would use the term uh, uh, a chump. I don't know, like I I I just feel like it's such a lack of willpower on my part. For so many things. I think a lot of that has to do with, like, pornography, 
for years, you know, just just getting beat up by that and not being able to do anything and find victory for years and years. I think that has a, a an effect on some of this stuff. Like, why are my habits so ingrained and all that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I... Am I saying it wrong? Am I not agreeing with you fast enough? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, no, I, I think that this is good. So I wrote a book and I'm almost done with it called Deep Work. It's, okay. I heard it, I heard the author on the Art of Manliness podcast, which you should all listen to much better than our podcast. And, uh, it, it's been blowing my mind and it has really, it's one of the first books that I've read that has genuinely helped me be better at my job and to do better work. Cool. And long and long, uh, long story short, the whole point is to learn how to not do what he calls like shallow work, which is, you know, email, yeah. being on your phone, text message, all the things that dis that distract us. And I started uh, to notice that what prevents me from being productive is the five minutes on a, on like on Facebook, even if, if it's for work, which I have to do, or a little bit on Instagram. So I deleted all of them on my phone. I'm only allowed to be on those apps for one hour on my computer at home. I have that on an extension. I got rid of Chrome on on my phone. Now I just use a Safari because I'm I'm starting to realize like this is profoundly impacting my life, like in really a severe ways. Why did you and get rid that, of why did you get rid of Chrome? What's the deal? I mean a browser's a browser, right? There was not this was on my there was, so there was not an app that would allow at least that I found so far that would that would allow me to block websites on my phone. Oh, okay. And it's this is not a for pornography or anything like that. This is for basic like I yeah, so like I need to I'll be focused. Like these are huge these are gigantic roadblocks. And so part of that is I'm trying to not respond. I I mean I took all notifications off my phone, which is why I missed our Slack thing. Yeah, people, you need to realize if you have accepted all the notifications, like blah blah blah, wants to notify you, you're doing it wrong. That you should never do that. You should never let people into your mind space that you don't want. And and it really honestly has impacted my spiritual life because I'm real. I, I I had a priest tell me my two rallying cries right now are a consistency and a discipline. I'm very good when everything is just like around me is completely falling apart and I have to fix the problem right there, right now. I can analyze it like that and I, I can solve it. What I'm not good at is when there's just nothing, there's no pressure on my time besides yeah. my own will. I'm very similar, very similar. When I have a That's deadline, friends. like, uh, yeah, I know, what, or enemies, frenemies, when I have a, um, it's 2001. a, a deadline, um, like, for instance, back when I was a youth minister, I remember um, my boss was upset with me that I didn't have, like, my work done, right? And uh, and she felt like I, I wasn't working. And the thing wasn't that I wasn't working. It's that when I didn't have, like, a deadline, when she just – when she trusted me to do my job, I – it just was this thing that was like, well, I'm just not going to do it. Or I'm, I'm going to take my time. Like, to me, it's like uh, – if I don't have a shoreline, I just go nowhere, right? I'm like a river. I need to be boxed in as much as possible in order to be really efficient. And so um, she's like, I want to meet with you, and I want you to lay out your plan with me in two days. And I was like, cool, okay. 
And then I worked for 12 hours straight. And here's the deal. It wasn't like I wasn't trying to work. It's like when you're trying to be, especially when you're doing creative work, like writing new things and doing that stuff, it's so difficult to be creative at the drop of a hat. So taking that time and refining it, well, that pressure cooker just snapped it into my brain. And I like, I conquered it like immediately. But here's the thing. And I I think that's great. But here's the thing, though, is that the best artists who are creative, they work like they're accountants. Yeah, and no, they I have set times where every day, like, that's why, like, like, I don't think people understand how hard a comedian like Louis C.K. works. Yeah, no, when he was writing on Conan, he was then, he'd, he would work, which is an intense amount of work. Yeah. He'd go out and do two or three stand-up things at night. He writes a new hour every year, which is insane. It is almost yeah. an unheralded level of productivity for a, a comedian to do what he does. Yeah, all new material and, every year. He got that from George Carlin, it, and he does it. Which, and I would argue that his is better than Carlin. Oh, I would. That, uh, more consistently. Yeah. And I so, agree. anyways, um, I, I do think it's more related to the spiritual life than maybe you're giving it credit. But I think that's probably because I'm so, like, amped up on it. And what, I, and what I mean by that is that, like, yes, I think pride is the bigger issue. I need to be humble to admit these things. But if I'm not being productive in my day or from that, you know, really... Like it, it starts with like how I'm organizing my day and if I actually execute all of those things. I used to have the biggest issue when I was younger. I'd be the most tempted to lust after a girl right before I would go to bed. Yeah, yeah. I think like, you know who would be great to hook up with? That one girl. Oh, yeah, she's hot. You know, and, and just like – and that was so – but and I started to notice that that would happen when I wasn't very busy. Yeah. Because I wasn't tired. And if that's where my brain goes, I need to exhaust myself to the point where I'm not going to – I'm not saying that's what everyone has to. That's where I needed it to be. So it started with how do I plan my day? And if I'm building time for for prayer every day, if I'm attending all of the sacraments, if I'm, if I'm growing in holiness, it all like fits in together. And I think at times it's very tempting to – and when I talk about – again, going back to the word conversion – to be more about, well, it's about what I believe as opposed to the small everyday things that I'm doing. Like, like what you and I have to do, it's a lot of the same thing because we're very much alike. And I think that's been one of the great things about our friendship is we can kind of, like, we understand each other very well. It took me and Adam a year to understand each other, yeah. a good solid year. And what works for me doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't, necessarily work for him and i think that's very clear in scripture christ tells some people to give away everything he's okay with a zacchaeus only giving away half yeah because that's what he needs to do to grow to grow in holiness and so i think it's important and i guess this is what i'm trying to go here is as we try to like it's not just about our own uh, beliefs or, or the big stuff the, the small stuff is really important as well Okay, so you're talking to our listeners right now. What would you say to them should be priority number one for their for them to get to? Because most people that listen to this are people who are deep workers. You know, I mean, they might not be, but it's like they're, they're workers, right? They they're, they're people are knowledge the workers. Yeah, yeah, we're all knowledge workers. Which for the most you part, know, uh, yeah, isn't always a good thing. <laughs> what? Yeah, I said it's not always a good thing. No, um, but I think of uh, always think of this guy Merlin Mann, who's a great productivity dude. Or was at least uh, his big thing of, you know, there's those Richard Scary books growing up, uh, which he's just the name of an author who would draw 
like pictures of different animals engaged in different trades and it was like a children's book and the funniest thing was he's you know it's like a fireman's a cute little mouse and you know all this stuff and if you saw one you'd be like oh yeah i remember seeing those books but uh the funniest thing was he goes like what would they do for a knowledge worker today he's like i think it would be like an obese mouse drinking uh drinking diet coke with a uh with earphones on headphones on and uh sitting at a computer doing email you know like that's it right there that's our lives so what would you say to the average person who that is their life? That's their job. What should they be doing or what, what are you seeing or whatever? You have to know your root sin. Your root like, sin. Yeah. What's one of those things that I really struggle with? And so for me, and so like I've heard this, put this is, and this is from the Legionnaire. So this is kind of their spin on the whole thing, I believe, from everything that, that I've seen. If you look at pride and vanity and oh, pride, vanity, and the one that I struggle with, which is sensuality. Continue. What's the one that like, oh, this is the hardest thing. And like me, it's always, it's always, I mean, I'm a prideful person. I can be extremely vain, but it all comes from sensuality. Like I want to do what feels good. Okay. I want, you know, I can be so in the moment. And so being able to identify that has allowed me to understand, okay, what are the steps I need to take to convert myself? And and here's what I mean by that. Yes, it is by the grace of God, but I have to choose to do that. God's not going to, like, if I want to be a lawyer, God's not going to go in, now you're a lawyer. I've got to go to law school. I've got to wake up. I've got to study. Those are the choices that I have to make. So if we're in that, uh, if we're in that the position where, we have all this free time. You, you kind of have to own the fact that you're the one who has to ultimately decide how am I going to do this through the grace of God and prayer and trying to seek his will and ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you. I was in a slump today and I was really hard on myself and I was just like, what I'm trying, like, I don't understand this. And I put on a podcast of Back to Work, which actually has Merlin Mann on it. So good. And it was, and it was one that I had already heard, which I thought I had deleted, but it's what I needed to hear at that moment. I mean, it was the perfect podcast for me here. I really believe it was the Holy, the Holy, the Holy spirit. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, be active. You, ha- you have, it has to be an act of your will in order to convert. And, and by that, I mean, like, yes, the Holy spirit is the one who inspires it. Yes. He's the one that stirs that desire in our heart. Yes. We're the one that he is following, but like you have to choose whether or not you want to wake up at five in the morning or not. Yeah. God won't make that choice for you. Which famously Merlin Mann did. Every day he would wake up at like five or four o'clock in the morning and just crank out all this stuff for a guy who struggles. Merlin Mann is awesome because he struggles with productivity. That's why he's a productivity guru because he had to do this stuff. It was make it or die, like come up with these systems or die. And so um, for him, it was uh, hugely important. But at the same time, um, he would just he's a hard worker, you know, he had to overcome a lot of issues. He has severe ADHD and all that stuff. And he had to overcome all this stuff in order to be productive. And he would wake up every day at like four o'clock in the morning, four thirty, and just write and write and write and write. And he owned it, you know, uh, for Lent. So I want this to dovetail into Lent. So for Lent, what I'm doing, uh, I told my wife that I would go to bed early and I would wake up incredibly early 
in order to honor her better in our marriage because I'm such a night person. Like, I really do feel like I'm more creative at night because I've always mm-hmm. been creative at night. That doesn't mean I can't be creative during the day. And so acknowledging that, I'm going to strive to go to bed early and then wake up early and then actually have breakfast and stuff ready for her and the kids before she has to get up because she has a baby that she has to deal with. That baby is annoying and is always awake, <laughs> always awake. Um, but uh, it's just part of my, you know, ongoing life with a woman <laughs> to realize that, okay, I have my own part to play. That's going to be different. But for me, Lent is going to be that. It's going to be, way, and I, that's been set in stone for me for a long time now. Yeah. Um, I told that to Shane. I was like, this is what I'm doing for us for Lent. She's excited. I don't know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> no, I think that's actually funny that you brought that up. That's exactly what I'm going to be doing as well. I want to get up serious? at 5.30 oh my gosh, every are morning. the same person. BFFs. I got to get up at 5. Gomer and Luke. Luke and Gomer opening doors at the same time, then laughing afterwards because it's a credits roll from an early 70s sitcom. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a lot there. There was a lot there. But I acknowledge it, and I I approve. I approve that. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I want to do... The, the same thing because I, but here's, here, here's the thing is that I realized that I've got to, I'm the kind of person who I can't structure everything too much or I get very overwhelmed. Yeah. And so it's, so if I want to, cause like what I'll do is I'll create a bunch of goals for catching foxes that I want to do. I'll go, oh, this is never going to happen. How am I going to do this? This is never going to happen. And I'll just analyze the hell out of it. Like you would be, so I took this test. You'd be very surprised to see what my top 10 the professions were. It really uh, uh, surprised me. Uh, number one was auditor. Really? Uh, yeah, because I can get very analytical most of the time in my head, which is why it takes me a, it, why it took me a very long time to get over failed relationships. What? I, didn't know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so and what I, and so what I, what I found is I'm going to go, okay. For an hour, I'm gonna work on catching foxes stuff. Yeah, I don't know what now. Then I'll have all that stuff in there. But I'm but I, but I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna try to find five guests. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna work on catching foxes stuff. And then within because that doesn't make me feel as constrained or as controlled. And it kind of it puts my mind at ease and I don't stress out. That makes sense okay. about it. So that's my goal is to do about an hour of deep work every morning. On stuff that's not my job. Cool. So, and you know, and, and this like might sound really dull and really boring. I've actually, I have found this to be interesting, but I do think this type of stuff that we are talking about is really important for our own uh, conversions. Like we have to act and we have to be willing to be formed. So a big I part, I agree with you. I think a big part of what we're lacking is Catholics who are just super active, like getting stuff done, like not it's not just about believing these things it's about going and accomplishing something that can quite literally change the world and it changes the world because it's connected to the gospel of christ it's not because we're fancy people you know like but the thing is we're not like i feel like there's this element of uh you know and i think everyone does it where it's like oh well the problem's bigger than me you know what i mean and being able to actually be creative and like i think of a guy named edmund mitchell who's a fan of our show and uh you know he yeah. went he went to franciscan did all those catechism classes and then he he really wanted to do something for young adults so he started this thing called uh reverb culture which i hear a really handsome person named 
it that gave it that name oh wait that was me you're welcome and uh and but he this guy is like he's the the he assembled the team they're really doing it i mean they're like crushing it and uh he has some really great stuff out there but now he just wrote a book on uh dual wielding uh that's what he calls it about praying with the catechism oh wow yeah so it's like the bible and the catechism he calls it dual wielding for all of us, you know, Halo nerds and stuff. But I would like a copy of that if he, he's listening. Uh, he I'll sent, buy it. But yeah. if you can send me one, yeah, he sent it to me, so uh, I'll, I'll I'd ask love him. that. Yeah, I'm no, I'm huge fan of his stuff. He uh, he does youth ministry, and he does his own. Like he invented his own, invented. You know, he runs his own program. Like it's not That's a hand me down program. It's uh, it's called Young Church, and he's just building it up, and it's great. Like it really is some good stuff. I, I want to add a, a a quick thing to what you yeah. were talking about earlier, like things we can do to, in terms of being uh, productive. This is where I'm going to steal from uh, Merlin Mannequin is that I think it's very tempting as to, and I, I know I do this all the time, to put all of our focus on the scaffolding yeah. as opposed to the painting we should be painting. Because we have to have the right content. We've got to have the right video. You know, we've got to have the right or whatever we have to have, you know, and like I can get in that where I'm like, I I spent I spent hours trying to find ways to sync Evernote with Dropbox and and Google Drive perfectly, <laughs> hours. And the point was like, well, you spent so much time trying to like get productive stuff that you weren't productive at all, at all, because you just like watch this. Like, I want the best scaffolding. I don't think I don't think like Michelangelo. Sure, he wanted great scaffolding, but what he cared about the, about the most was what he was going to paint. Yeah, and it's very tempting to want to focus on the scaffolding. You know, like I, I mean, I do it with with our own podcast. I'm burning up in a closet. I could probably have one less coat, but I'm like, it's got to be perfect. And learning to kind of like trust yourself and know that you know what you're doing. And if you are over, if you are overkilling it, have the self control. You know have the ability to convert your heart and step away yeah yeah i think that's huge i mean come on how many of us we're obsessed with scaffolding right because there's so many cool (laughs) things that are out there you know and so much i don't know so much awesomeness is out there that we totally do have this massive tendency to be like oh i need an app i you know i can't do anything i don't have the right app for it you know and Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I hate to admit how guilty I am of, of that. Well, I think we do it with prayer. T- I mean, like, okay, we do it with prayer too. You know, oh, like I, I how- gotta have the right prayer journal. I remember that. At yeah, me. that was never me because it's really difficult for me to journal, even though I think it's important. But like, I I remember that at Franciscan people being like, "Well, you know, just waiting for my journal to come in," and, you know? or just I mean, like, okay, be honest, like, how many? How in the past week did you pray every day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I miss Saturday and uh, Saturday and Sunday. I'm sorry, but it's because I didn't take the time to, to make sure that I had that built into my days that 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 day. I've got to do that. Yeah, or I won't. I've got to say today I can pray at this time, or I won't. You know, and it's. I just think it's it's very easy to always find an excuse of like, well, I didn't. Move, you know, I don't know. Is this boring? I don't. I don't think that this is boring, but it's boring me. But I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are riveted. Catholic beard balm, huh? <laughs> no, I think this is. I, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think this is a good short topic. I do too. I, and I, yeah, and I, I, I think 
uh, the bottom line is, in a nutshell, conversion isn't just big stuff. It's not giving all of your money to the poor, as important as that stuff is. It's also this, like, God is, it's in the details. Okay, let me, let me ask you this. Tell me more about deep work. Oh, it's, oh, here, can I put you on hold for just a second? Let me go grab the book. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Hold, please. This is Luke going to get a book. Hey, everybody, I'm Luke, and I'm getting a book. You should get a book, too. Books are good. Do you like books and stuff? I like books and stuff. My name's Luke. Hey, Luke, I like books. Do you really? Because I like books, too. Oh, hey, is that my buddy Luke? <laughs> hey, everyone. It's me, Blaze. <laughs> All right, so Deep Work is about a guy named is about a guy is by a, a guy named Cal Newport who is our age, uh, early thirties, and he wrote the book uh, "So Good They Can't," Ig- "So Good They Can't Ignore You," and his little tag for, for this book is "Rules for Focused a Success in a Distracted World." And you I'll know, just, I I go on. I can't remember where I heard of this book. It's, I it's, just heard of it. It's rocking. I may have told you. No, it wasn't you. It was sure. online. Yeah, it's rocking my world. I think this is one of the most important books that I've read since, in terms of productivity, since I read GTD back in two thousand eight. Since you read Terms of Endearment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deep work <laughs> is the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. It's a skill that allows you to quickly master complicated information and produce better results in less time. Deep work will make you better at what you do and provide the sense of true fulfillment that comes from craftsmanship. Yeah, and it's really true. Like, I was, when I really first did all this stuff, I was exhausted by the end of the day, but I loved my day. I felt like I I cooked and that I kicked ass and I took names. And it was. So, what did you do? What what were some of those things? um, One was the ability to say, okay, during this time period is when I'm going to do all of the shallow work that's answering email returning calls text messages quick omni focus task things like that the real heavy then i would then i blocked off about an hour and a half for deep work stuff which is when i put my computer away and i did stuff and i got rid of all distractions turned off my phone there was no way to really contact me and i just dived into my work and just thought about what I was doing and it was really hard, but very rewarding. And I allowed myself, what I did was, was I said, if I do an hour and a half of this, then when I have to drive for this thing uh, for work, I will listen to this podcast on the way there. So it was like, and if I don't, then I'm going to drive in silence. So I kind of had a built, I had an incentive. Okay. And one of the things that he advocates is like, you'll find that it's, this is a muscle that you're able, uh, like you're able to build and there are like really small things that you can do to try to build up your ability to and to really hone in your focus and truly pay attention to what you're engaging with so one of the things that he advocates is for is be bored when you're 
going to the bathroom when you're at a restaurant. Don't look at your phone when you're bored in line at a thing. Don't pull out your phone. Be bored. Let your mind let your mind wander. And really, it's about like what are all the side effects that you can get from really from really learning how to um, have deep and sharp attention to what you're engaging in. Okay. And so it's it's really honestly it's I felt like my brain when I finally uh, deleted the apps off of my phone my brain was like thank you like for the first time in years I wasn't constantly engaged in mindless stuff and I could just relax which in turn allowed me to be able to focus better. Uh, see. I feel like to, I feel like the only thing that I could turn off that would have that kind of thing for me, probably Facebook on the phone, but I'm not obsessed with Facebook. I'm on it because like my work stuff's on it. My friends are on like, but I'm not on it. Like really I'm, I'm just to be honest, I'm on it to check if anyone's replied or liked anything that I've said. That's awesome. Well, of course I'm I'm on it for catching foxes all the time. Go on. Yeah. And so except for when I'm at work. Yeah, and my work, like, I am I manage our parish's Facebook account for the most part. There's a couple other people that contribute to it, but I do a lot of that stuff. Now, so I feel like if I were to delete Facebook on my phone, I would have to just not use it at work. Like, the first thing I do when I get to work is I launch Facebook because I have, uh, I go to the work page and then I drop some, because I'm running dozens and dozens of programs, so... I drop a, a new ad. I probably drop about three or four ads and information stuff a, a day about the stuff that's technically in my ministry. So, Well, and he talks about the abilities because, like, there are some jobs where you have to be on Facebook. Like, I have to do stuff for Catching Foxes. I have to do stuff for the conference that I run. It is not, it is not an option, but what he advocates for is have built in time where he said, I'm yeah. only going to be online for a half hour. Now it might be an hour until I'm back online for another half hour, but it's really about you being the master and in control and yeah. you have to stop. Yeah. I'm going to stop no matter what. So it's just like the idea that, I mean, you've, I don't know if you've heard this thing where it's like they did it. There was some, some study that was done that said on average, once you go over about like 10 hours a day of work, your productivity drops dramatically. Yeah. So like, why would you do it? Just you get more done. If you have set times and we are going to be out by like, you know, like five thirty today, but we're going to be out and you've got to get your stuff done before then don't take it home with you. And because it really allows your mind to then disengage, which you're actually able to get more done. And it's 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 so sorry, I, I don't want to get too far ahead into it, but does that make sense? Yeah. So for you, so so it's really more about like what do you have access to that's always on your mind? Yeah. And when you're able to really push that out of the way and deeply focus on this stuff. And there's a lot of other stuff that he goes into, like, you know, being able to go out on walks and stuff or, again, that idea of, you know, be bored, which I think is one of the hardest things for me that I've really – and it was it really surprised me by how quick I bounced back from a lot of that stuff. But What do you mean? Well, just how – at first how hard it was to be bored and be not involved in all the social media stuff that much. It was really hard at first. But then after about a day, it was really – 
it was a, it got a lot easier. Okay. So I mean, this is the thing that like, but it's like I mean, you are truly disengaging from everything else besides what you are focusing on. So I turned off my phone, both my phones. I didn't. I turned. You know, I wasn't responding to any notifications. I didn't get anything. All the only thing that had my the only thing that could possibly have my attention was what I was working on. Like yeah. the earth could have, like the apocalypse could have started. And, and uh, unless I saw signs in, in, in my own office, there was like, I, there's just no way that I, I would have known. <laughs> yeah. You know, I agree with that. I've followed that model um, for years of, uh, and quite honestly, it's made people pissed off at me, but, it does not make sense to leave your Microsoft Office open all or Outlook open all day and let that thing chime at you and distract you from the work that you're doing. And the same is true of, with our phones. And, I mean, because honestly, if you get 100 emails a day, it's chiming at you over and over. Ba-ding, ba-ding. And every time it chimes at you, you have that expectational guilt that you're not paying attention to it, right? But when mm-hmm. you don't chime on it, no, almost none of that stuff is immediately necessary. And so, I mean, people need to get used to, like, setting rules and coordinating folders and all that stuff because they're just going to – people are just overwhelmed with distraction. Well, and I think you have to – I mean, again, this, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. I know what works for me because I've been working on this since 2008. Yeah. You know, and it takes – you know, it takes two years – to master anything and that's true with a lot of stuff i think it's very true with the productivity thing like gtd it takes about two years of constant effort to really get that down even that has flaws so again it's a lot like i mean just like think about how when, when christ was talking with all the apostles i'm willing to bet they had his full attention and they knew it yeah and again like and if people don't have our full attention, that means we're a slave to something else. So would you say, like, if I were playing Minecraft right now, that I'm a slave to Minecraft? Yes. Okay. I would say that, too. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, same thing with A Clash of Clans or anything like that. That if we're, like, I, I truly, like, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that what's going to convert people is... Like one of the main things will be our own Christian joy and me having my face in my phone the whole time isn't going to get that across, nor is it going to allow me to truly experience that. Cool. I like that. You with your face in your phone ain't going to convert nobody. Nope. Okay. That was a good episode. Hey, we're, we're at an hour. All right. Well, Luke, I don't care what you're listening to because it's probably going to bore the shit out of me. It's not, dude. I have such a great taste in music. I know. No, no you here's do. the deal. You know what? Since I, I just want to end with this. As we talk about conversion and the importance, here's a line from a John a bunch song. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. A bunch we, of John. <laughs> we take what we know. We and 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 we learn as we go, and we run. Run until that day we can see who we are, have, um, have the final say. We can be who we are as love lights the way to the last day and no one can take it away. That to me, that's all about, uh, yeah, it's all about 
a conversion to me. That's what that's about. You know, music just does different things for different people. <laughs> I love Elias. <laughs> and no one can take it away. Run and hide. Giggle Sorry. all the time. No, so what I'm going to do, Luke, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get this book. I'm going to get it on audiobook. Okay? You should. Mm-hmm. Well, I just said I would. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to get it on audiobook. And I want our listeners to get this book on audiobook. And we're all going to plow through it together. Okay? And then I promise you by the end of this, me and you, uh, outside of, you can be Catching Foxes related, we're going to do something with this deep work stuff. Okay? I, I would love that. We're going to make something happen. Cool. That's let's, all. Let's do it. And it's available in our show notes, hopefully with a link that will help us sponsor for what we're doing through Amazon. <laughs> yes, I'll put it in. The, I'll put the link into it. Um, cool. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you, guys. We believe that love is the answer, and that love ultimately will find the way. That's a love nice. will find a way. That was a song quote. And I believe that love is the. You tell answer. me that I have bad taste music. And you know you love that song. Way. Four weeks later. So I haven't even started to edit the other podcast of the deep work thing. What do you think about that one? I liked it. Okay. Did you know, like, wait, I, I thought we already released that one. Nope. Last week was our interview with what's his name? I thought we released it the week before. No, that one was the one that we did four weeks ago. Of those two back-to-back <laughs> ones. This was oh. the first of the two back-to-back no, ones. No, I'm cool with that, but if you don't like it. No, I do. I do. I do. I loved a deep work. I wish. I wish we could do a follow up, and add it. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. We can do. I mean, we could do like a follow up at another point in time because I think there's a lot of interesting things about that in his yeah. ministry that I think would be interesting. And I'm seeing or anything. I'm seeing the content of that everywhere. Like I'm constantly sitting down at my desk and I'm like, you know what? Closing down Outlook and I'm just working. Yep. Yep. And I we, went. I actually had to. Uh, I hid. I went. I was a little one step short of putting on my auto responder, saying I'm out of office, just so I could hide and mm-hmm. work on stuff. And I ended up doing that. I went into a different classroom and just pounded down all of this, um, all of these lesson plans that I've been kind of like accumulating. And I pounded down three out of four of them immediately, like within an hour and a half. And I was like, Oh, that is awesome. You'll be amazed, and I, I'm still trying to work around like how exactly how do I want to schedule this, but what you're able to get done and how good it feels to actually do work as opposed to just like, ugh. So I think that's one of the things that it does over GTD is it really allows you to uh, – you don't just feel like you're at the mercy of the work you have to do. You're in, a, you're in way more control of what you want to do and how you want to do it. You didn't hear any of that. No, I did. did. I did. The mercy thing. Yeah. I, and I, I, I bring it up actually now with people. I said, you know, we're knowledge workers. You know what it means? The definition of a knowledge worker is a little Merlin manism. I'm like, it means you sit there with <laughs> your email. Show. <laughs> it means you sit there with an email address waiting or with your email open waiting for the emails to tell you what you're supposed to do for that day. Yep. And I was like, could you just imagine what you could accomplish without, if you got no emails? You know, like, you know those days when you get like, 10 emails instead of 50 and you feel like you have your whole day to yourself like mm-hmm. you can actually create that in your day my goal is to get to a point to where i'm only checking email twice a day in, in, in terms of work do you think you can get away with that 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as things grow and increase, I think it could be harder. As things grow, I think email will get more. It will, it will increase, but I'm trying to get people to go to a thing like Slack or something because I feel like it's such a such a better way to communicate with a team of people who are spread out. Yeah. And the problem is, so this is a great interview with a guy who started Evernote on Tim Ferriss's podcast, where we, where he basically the and this could be wrong exactly how how he puts, but take the average length of an employee within within any organization times that by two. That's how long it's going to take to change that organization's culture. Yeah. So if you look at the church, and by this I mean specifically church workers. Turning off my uh, turning off my video, you know you've got people there in the archdiocese who've been there for thirty to forty years. So you're talking a generation. You know, like we'll be in our fifties by the time if if that were to hold true and, and try to get trying to get everyone on board. Like, can you imagine trying to train like trying to train people who still you know just use email and that's it in terms of like their internet use on how to use a thing. That's made by you know, like Oracle or Intuit or whoever. Yeah. You know, I it's, think it's of, not possible. I think of you and your work situation where they gave you a brand new laptop and then told you basically you couldn't install any software on it. <laughs> you it's, know, it's insane. I can't install Flash. I literally cannot install Flash. Can you install my... Google Chrome? Nope. They don't. What like, the IT guy doesn't. No, because that was my first, like, well, I'll just install uh, Chrome. He's one of those, those uh, people that still think that Chrome has major security issues. Which which I remember there was a period where, where that was true, but I want to say that they changed that. Because they're Google and I trust them. They don't do evil. It's their uh, mission. It's in their mission statement. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you how my work has changed since I, I listened to Deep Work. Um, number one, I... Um, minimize social media stuff and I clump it together when I do it, right? So part of my day is engaging in social media because I run the Facebook page for the parish, but I'm lucky that unlike most parishes, which has the youth minister doing it 24 seven, um, I have like four or five other people that actually post content to it. But, um, two of which are over me with the Facebook page. So in years past and jobs past, I would be the only person managing it. Now there's a bunch of people that contribute to it and all this stuff. There's always new content. Um, so that's wonderful. But uh, Twitter, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I don't ever use it. I'm, I don't I'm done use, with Instagram, by the way. I think I'm done. Yeah, I don't use Snapchat. I don't use, so for me, my big time attention getters that like suck away my time and attention and my focus is Facebook more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then in a very close second, just messaging. So whether that's yeah. through the Facebook messages app or through, you know, my iPhone messages app or WhatsApp. When, yeah. Or, I mean, I don't use WhatsApp that. I mean, we use it for our group, small group of friends, but I don't use it that much. Um, but on my computer, you know, I have a Mac. I'm a Mac guy all the way up and down. I have messages on there. So if I'm on mm-hmm. my computer, I don't take out my phone. I use messages. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I send that. Well, yeah. And, you know, I think it's really interesting when you tie in the idea that work brings us closer to Christ. And that's the thing that I was always like, okay, that sounds weird. I get it. I don't really see it. But when I really do, like, what, what, what I'm able to, like, this is one of the things that I, I, f- I feel like Deep Work is actually a really important book in terms of its, and it, and, and there was, it tied in with, the, with an episode of Back to Work two to three weeks ago that all, and it was not there, um, there 
of attention and it reminded me so much of the of the of the spiritual life and the whole point is to respect your time to be completely engaged without any dis without any dis distractions of what you should be engaged in and to keep your priorities in line that going home and spending time with your kids your wife is actually very important and you should not be tied to anything with work yeah and you need to be where you are when you are and that to me is like what a real vocation is yeah so i've started to say like when i hit 5 30 i'm done like i'm done i will not respond to any text message email you know, even though I'm having a little bit of a like a um, hard time with it, and, they, and there are, and I do have to, you know, adjust because I do have a lot of work that involves things at night. But I want to be present to Aaron. I want to be present to, uh, um, to Christina while um, she's here. Like I want to be around. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, woo! and you have to intentionally carve that down mm-hmm. because your life, well, because life itself won't do that for you. Yeah. And, and you and, have to be so proactive and you have to be like, all right, here's the deal. If uh, the first thing I do in the morning is I look at Facebook, which is both me and my wife, we both have a tendency to do that. Mm-hmm. I turn on my phone, I swipe down to see the day's things and my notifications and Facebook, right? Those are the things that I do because I get a, I follow a lot of friends, Facebook's fancy algorithm that brings up mostly the people that I interact with more often than not. Um, I love like... So many of my friends post great stuff. Oh, yeah. And yep. so I love seeing that, reading that. So that, that has been great for me. But at the same time, I realize something magical. If I don't read it, my life is really not impoverished. And if it sucks away so much of my time and attention. I mean, so much is devoted. I mean, think about it. every time you go to the bathroom and you take your phone out while you're going to the bathroom. And then when you leave the bathroom, the stuff that's going through your head because of what you read in the bathroom, right? Like Donald Trumpisms and all the stuff on Facebook and whatever it is. But then you're, it, 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 the, the debt of that doesn't go away because you turned it off. And that's what the deep work, um, part of the point of the, the book, The deep, uh, deep Work, is hitting at is it's not like, okay, I'm doing this, deep, this project where I've got to be really creative and knowledgeable and coherent. And, oh, here's a chime. I got new email. Okay, now I'm going back. No, it now takes you three or four times longer to snap back into that mode. For certain people, it'll be less. Other people, it'll be more. But it'll take you 20 minutes to get back into the flow of writing. And if you're being interrupted over and over again, or if you stop and check Facebook, or you, know, you left Facebook open in a browser and it dings you, and then you turn your attention back, like that is, you are handicapping your own intellectual power, right? Your own focus, your own time and attention. And then how many times do we do that? Like me and Shannon, when we watch like a movie or a show together, I tell her to turn off her phone because it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I'm here. I don't care who's there. Be with me. Or, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, and, and it's like when we're at mass or when we pray, worry. I mean, we are kidding ourselves if we can't admit that our attachment to our phones isn't impacting our ability to be quiet, to hear God's voice, to really dive into scripture. It just, I mean, I got to the point where I, the first thing I would do when I woke up as I would grab my phone and my thumb would just automatically, without even thinking, open up Twitter. 
and my and it just like that messes with your head after and you honestly feel this weird detachment from reality and we're kidding ourselves if we think that that well like i don't have to have that when i pray and i i think there's a way to use your phone while you pray and not be attached to it but yeah it's called airplane mode (laughs) yeah but but honestly in order to do that i had to detach myself from my phone i really because Mm -hmm. i used to be when i first moved to eureka and I got my first iPhone. I was on it all the time when we go out at bars and all of my friends out there would get so annoyed with me. But the reason why I did it was because I desperately missed all my other friends and didn't want to accept the fact that that's where I was living. Yeah. So to me, that was how I connected with you and Jonathan and like all of our other friends where I'd be like, I just like I, I need to feel like I am connected with them. And that was like. I don't know if you or, or recall, but there was this one app where you were able to say which bar you were at or whatever. And, like, we all – all of our house brothers got on that app. And for, like, a week, it was just great because I was like, oh, we're all connected just, like, once again. But it, it served no purpose, and it just stopped immediately. But it felt what so What app good. was that? What are you talking I about? I don't recall. Are you it was about, like, Foursquare? No, it was before Foursquare. It was kind of one of those apps that was a – it was a precursor to – to uh, a force where you could tell people where you were. And the only people that I was connected to on that was, it was like all of, I mean, it was everyone. Like it was everyone across the board. And so from our time in, our time in um, Hassel. So I love that feeling of being uh, connected. And I think there is some weight in it. There is, there is some value to that. But what it cost me was time with all my friends out there who then became some of my best friends in the in Tyrol. But they felt like I was isolated, like that I was isolating. They didn't feel like their time was being was being respected. And they're absolutely right. And I think we need if we're if we're going to strive for holiness, if you want to see Christ in all of our actions, that means being present to a reality and understanding where our mind and where our uh, focus should be. Yeah, so it's 2016 now. The iPhone came out in 2007, got super popular in 2008 with the 3G. That was the model that hit the mass market. Oh, yeah. Got the subsidized price, all that stuff. That's the death of boredom, where we now in our pockets carry the power of the Internet, apps, and an always-on connection. And at any moment where previously we were bored, we could, boom, consume Twitter, Facebook, yep. Instagram, um, Clash of Clans. Anytime like- I would go, like, pee was time that I can't remember up until recently the last time I would, like, go to the bathroom at a bar and not have my phone out. Right, right, right. And I always felt self-conscious about that. Like, people thought I was taking pictures of my wiener. Not but, me. I never thought about it. No, I, I always felt like other people would think that I was doing that. Not that I, I thought care. about it. <laughs> not, that I, not that I thought of that. I just used Periscope. Anywho. Um, <laughs> But no, like that's so real that uh, that we've killed boredom and we've repe- replaced it with mediocrity. And Steve Jobs said famously uh, that boredom is, you know, he's, he's terrified of what's going to happen to boredom. Um, Isn't that kind of ironic, though? Yeah, no, that was his thing. He said, I, when I was bored, I got into a lot of mischief, a lot of fights, you know, a lot of problems. He said, but also that's where I, you know, came up with some of my best ideas. Let me, okay. I want to come back to Steve Jobs, but it's about a whole other thing, so keep going. Yeah, and so um, for me, I think that uh, we, when it connects to the book Deep Work, we're not allowing our brains to rest and, and our subconscious mind to engage in the problem-solving task. 
right? Because when you're bored, you're not really thinking about anything. You just want to move on. You want to do, like, if you're standing in line at the grocery store, you know, I mean, there's a million lights and, and, and magazines and all this stuff, and you're just kind of all over the place. Um, and people, like, but at that time, that's when you start to daydream and think about different things and go through your tasks. And all this, but you, it, it gives your permission, it gives your brain permission to, to unhook from the immediate and the urgent and to focus on deeper questions, problems. And you could literally have a, it's like, why, why do we come up with awesome thoughts while we're in the shower? Because we're not thinking, we're not focusing on something like right in front of our face. We're just going through the motions of, you know, getting clean. And all of a sudden, our brain is able to work. And so I think it's so fascinating that we've obliterated boredom, but we've obliterated it with cheap, non-material, non things that don't matter in its replacement. That there, are, there are a lot of good connections and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. And I feel like people want to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I text message and I post pictures on Facebook to keep in touch with my grandparents and, you know, all that stuff. So they can see my grand, you know, their grandkids or whatever it is. Okay, that's the, that's the blessing of technology. But the always, like the feeling like when I'm standing in mass and I forget to put my phone in airplane mode and I get that in my pocket, all I want to do is check my phone. Mm-hmm. And even though I know by the that that's an email and it's a text message, all I want to do is look at that. That's all I want to do. And I, I, I have a, and then all of a sudden my anxiety goes up a little notch where I was no anxiety. Now I got a little anxiety. Now I'm wondering what that is. And I'm the guy who, no, you stay focused. This is the liturgy. This is the Eucharist. And now, like last week or two weeks ago, I found myself pulling out my phone, pretending like I was checking the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, just an FYI email. You know? And I was like, ah. And then I'm like, nope, airplane mode, put it back in my pocket, done. Well, and even before I read deep work this is why i never wanted to get the apple watch as cool as it was when i uh when i tried one on and as much as i could see of oh that'd be cool to have this i didn't want that constant bing bing buzz you know like yeah i was like i it's too much that's too much and so i think that it uh at another point then i lost it well every app you install has to earn its right to notify you do not, by default, turn notifications yeah, on. Yeah, I agree. Oh, by default, say totally. no. You know, and one of the things that was really difficult for me was I was trying to think one day. I was trying to come up with some stuff, and I kept getting notifications. And it drove me insane. So I went through every single app except for messages and turned or, you know, Apple's message, whatever it's called. And I turned off all the notifications. And then I even turned it off of WhatsApp with our friends, uh, you know, our small circle of three other guys. Um, and it only, and that's funny because that app is almost rendered useless because if it doesn't notify you, you're missing all these messages. But Facebook Messenger, I have that turned off. Like Facebook Messenger, it, it, the funny thing is now, like I, I feel like I need to turn it on because people write to me like for job stuff, and I'm like, I have a website with an email address. Come on, but um, it's half of it's going through Messenger now. Um, I would literally say 50% of my business comes through Facebook. But but that's a great part of what I liked when they t- talked about deep work, and this really aligns with a lot like Merlin Man stuff, is build time into your day to check that. Yeah. You know, so build in yeah. like 10 or 15 minutes. And, and it's, I'm like, that's so, like, duh, that's what we should be doing. Like, yeah, I'm, you stack all, the, all, the, all the, the 20 times you look at it for 30 seconds, 
just stack it all into one 10 minute block. Yeah. And, 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 and so I've, I mean, I'm at a point now where we just got, so I, I'm like, I use my phone for everything. It was my alarm clock. It was, yeah. I mean, my tools, it was my portal to the world. And so, but one of the things that I was noticing was it was really hard for me to wake up on time. And so I actually decided that once we just got, um, I forget what you call it, but it's like a morning light thing where it's a simulation of daylight and it's, it's changed how I wake up. It is phenomenal. I've got, I have actually, I wake up at, at before five thirty now and if it's, it's insane because I actually feel good about it. But one of the things that what I time do you go to bed, it's starting to be anywhere between, I went to bed like nine o'clock last night, nine and 1130. I'll probably, I might sleep in a bit tomorrow morning because I have to, I uh, don't have to be at the office at eight 30. I have to be on the road at eight 30. So a little bit of extra time. Cool. But the cool part is, is that I don't even bring my phone to bed anymore. And I'm just, and it's, it just feels to not have that. Like I, it honestly helped me see that my attachment to my phone was deformative of my, of my spiritual life. Yeah. And you know, I have 100%. A, yeah. I have a friend. Um, it's really funny. So I love technology, all things tech. Um, and I have a friend who is totally a Luddite. She hates technology and her husband is like me and we work together, all three of us. And, um, it's really funny because whenever Apple will have one of their um, one of their uh, you know the Apple keynotes and stuff like that, me and him will invite the parish staff to come into the youth room, and no one <laughs> takes us up on it. And we pull down the big screen and we live stream Apple events, and we just sit there. and We're like, oh, look at the thing, and all oh, isn't that awesome? And we do it, and and she hates it. It drives her insane. She would not like me. No, 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 no. And that's the funny thing is, I get in arguments with her where I'm like pissed off at her. But there are, but I totally agree with her in a lot of ways because I do see how technology, you know, with that Steve Jobs quote, robs us of our boredom and stuff. Um, I do see how, especially with teenagers who, you know, there's this horribly hilarious BuzzFeed article about a, uh, you know, a young adult who asked his 13 year old sister to teach him how to Snapchat the way she does. And she will Snapchat 40 or 50 things a minute. Like crazy, like what? Forty pictures a Ugh. minute. It, it's insane, and she'll like and f- respond with images, and I'm like insane. She said her friends on Snapchat alone have uh, consumed up to sixty gigabytes a month of data, Holy and just shit. all this stuff. And I just think about, you know, my my uh, mother in law was talking about how back when Shannon was young, my wife was young, uh, which was about two or three hundred years ago. Um, they would when they wanted to meet. That was a joke, and you didn't laugh at it. Oh, sorry. I'm 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 trying to find a thing for some information, which is the point of the whole thing. Yeah, I know, uh, right? yeah. Thank you. But no, that's the point. My wife, when she was a kid in their house growing up, when she wanted to be with people, it was two, three times a week. She was going over to other people's houses, and she's in St. Louis, where you go to a private school that might be halfway across town, and so you might meet you know people might be on the exact opposite side of town, but they were always doing that. And she said, with her daughter. Her now the youngest, my, my wife's youngest sister, um, who's just now in high school, she says oh, the wow. exact opposite. No one meets at people's houses. It's rare to do that, be, but they are in constant communication with each other. Oh, that's crazy. I know. And I remember my boss telling me about uh, one of their daughters when they she ended up having to take the cell phone away from them at night because they felt like they always had to text each other. And they would lay their, her cell phone, she would lay it on her chest when she would go to sleep at night. And every time it would vibrate, she'd wake up, text, 
put it back down, go back to sleep. And she wasn't, you know, and she felt like, you know, that, that fear of being left out, that, that just kind of natural fear in us kept her connected all the time. And um, so going back to my Luddite friend, she bought this nice little charging station and put it downstairs and is like, when we go to bed at night, you leave your phone downstairs. And they do that every night. And I think about that all the time, like, because what do I do? As I'm going to sleep, I'm checking Facebook one last time. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then an email will come in that I can't do anything about until I get into the office. But now I have anxiety and I'm not going to go to sleep. Or you text Luke. Well, I mean, that's moral. Funny, that's hilarious moral. things. If um, any of our listeners want to hear a great conversation about uh, the dangers of Smoking. of a technology with a little bit more of of um, a theological aspect to it, there's a great uh, Catholic stuff you should know episode called. I'm not going to butcher this. It is Anima Tech Anemia. On, on, anima. I've been drinking. Anima. I've been drinking. I have a speech impediment. Uh, anima. <laughs> tech, technica vacua, or I don't know. Vacua. It's on there. Yeah. Oh, Luke. it's it's Avon. Bo- oh, shut up. <laughs> it's a Balthasar <laughs> quote. Uh, it's a phenomenal episode. Check check that out. I want to kind of. There's an interesting thing that I want to bring. I mean, well, we can keep talking about this if you want to. Discussion well, of construction. Well, well, we need to end soon because I got to go. But um, I just want to let you know that when I Googled Anima Technica Vacua, uh, Dyson Spring Sale came up at Dyson.com if you want to get a vacuum. Uh, <laughs> so there it is. And then, uh, yeah, it's or kind of fun. You gotta the get empty technological soul. Oh. You know what we can? Oh, yeah. It's And it's crazy how, like, it's so insane how I'm like that does leave us empty and and, and it goes beyond just a technology as we understand it goes into like they talk about a technology as it relates to the industrial revolution it's it's fascinating and they gave us a great like shout out with which uh helped us get a, a lot of badass listeners so thank you to all my friends we're gonna hopefully maybe try to have them on in the spring some point in time so that'd be cool 